Would you please take the Word of God and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts and chapter 20. And if you want to hold your place as you open to Acts chapter 20, hold your place in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you know how to turn the Bible quickly, maybe you don't have to turn there. Uh, you can do it quickly when we get there. But I'd like to uh, read uh, two passages, uh, one with the other, because you'll find some resemblance in, in both of those. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is traveling back to Jerusalem. He uh, stops in Miletus, and while he is in Miletus, he uh, sends uh, word to the elders in Ephesus to come down to Miletus because he has some final words for him. This will be Paul's final meeting uh, with uh, the elders of Ephesus. Uh, we know there is the, the letter of Ephesians. Uh, but this is uh, the last time that Paul is going to see them. And I mentioned here that as we look at this interaction between Paul and the elders of Ephesus, there are uh, three aspects to this meeting where Paul is encouraging the elders of Ephesus. In the first part, he gives them some reflections as to his past ministry in Ephesus. And the emphasis there is on not uh, what, what was accomplished in the sense of uh, how many people were saved and how many buildings they, they erected and all those things. No, it was about how he served God while he was in Ephesus. Uh, and so the manner of service is much more important than the result of service. And I hope we understand that, uh, that uh, at the end, God will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so we just need to be faithful. We know that um, we have our responsibility to serve the Lord, but God brings the increase. And so we need to focus on the manner in which we serve God. Then on the second part, he gives them his perspective on his present life as he's going to Jerusalem. He, uh, Paul was warned many times. Uh, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. And uh, Paul basically says uh, that, look, I, uh, I don't uh, count my life dear unto myself. I am interested in following the Lord, and if that means bonds and imprisonment, then so be it. It's nothing new. Uh, Paul has experienced that in his ministry, and um, uh, we know that I believe that's rooted in the teaching of Jesus Christ. When he said, if you want to be my disciple, if you save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And uh, that ought to be our perspective of life. The third aspect is what we're going to spend some time on in this message, and that is he's going to give these elders some, I could call it an admonition, in view of the future with him being gone. In other words, Paul has his last meeting, and he wants them to give specific instruction. He, he helps them in a perspective of the church, and he gives them some warnings as to what is going to come in the future, and I believe that we can apply this for us today in the church. And so we're going to begin reading in Acts 20, and let's begin reading in verse 17. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. And the Word of God says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons." serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. 
and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I'd like to bring your attention to verse 24. In his parting words, he says this, verse, uh, or excuse me, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Notice, to feed the church of who? God. I want to preach this morning on this thought. Take heed to the church of God. Take heed to the church of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity first to have your word, to be able to read it, to study it, and to apply it. I pray that you would help us this morning as First State Baptist Church, that you would help us to take heed as Paul instructed the elders in Ephesus. May we also take heed today, and may we understand here what is being taught in this passage that we might take those uh, warnings seriously, that we might have the right perspective of the church, and that we might see what we ought to do uh, for the continuance of the work of God. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you have your place, I mentioned about turning to 1 Peter chapter 5 and we know that this is Paul's instruction to the elders of Ephesus. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1 through 4, we know that when Peter wrote, he wrote chapter 5 specifically to the elders. And when he's writing, the context of 1 Peter is this letter is written to believers that have been scattered because of the persecution, but he is writing to churches that are in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so this letter is going to circulate through different churches in those different regions. And he gives them a set of admonition. And this is very much like what Paul writes to the el or speaks to the elders of, of Ephesus 
Peter did to the same with the elders of all of those churches. And he says this in 1 Peter 5 verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And here's what he says to them. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so we find here a similar instruction, and there is a similar illustration that is brought in the picture, and that is the illustration of a shepherd and his flock. Uh, God compares His church to a flock of sheep and a shepherd who is uh, in charge of uh, the flock. And so we see those similarities in both of those passages. But the emphasis in both of those, in uh, Acts chapter 20, he says, he mentions the church of God. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, he mentions the flock of God. And so I think we have a, a clear emphasis that we ought to take heed and understand that when we think and how we see this church, First State Baptist Church, this is not our church. It's not my church. It's God's church. It's His flock. It is His people. And so I want to begin here as we go back to Acts chapter 20 and I want to ask... Uh, three fundamental questions, and then I want to answer those questions with our text. And the first question I want to ask as we think about uh, taking heed to the flock of God is this, is what should be our perspective of the church? And now when I speak of the church, I'm speaking directly of this church here. Uh, I believe in the local church. Uh, that uh, uh, I'm not talking about I'm, I'm the pastor of this church, I'm not the pastor of another church or of all the churches, but this church specifically, what should be our perspective of this church? Well, I think that there are three things in verse 28 that we find as Paul is in the midst of him giving a, a set of instruction to the elders, he gives us some truths all throughout this verse that helps us to have the right perspective. And it's important for us, anytime that we're going to do things right, serve God appropriately and do what is right, we first have to have a proper understanding if we are going to do things the right way. I believe that God is not just concerned as to us serving Him, but He is concerned with not only how we serve Him, but having us having the proper understanding as we serve Him, because if we have the right understanding, then we will serve Him more appropriately in the church. And so what should be our perspective of the church? The first thing we find in this text here, notice specifically in verse 28, is He says you, to the elders, you are to feed the church of God. And so here's what we learn is that we, we first discover God's ownership of the church. As a Paul is speaking directly to these elders, he is reminding them of a number of responsibilities that they are to carry out in the church of Ephesus. But he reminds them in that to have the perspective that this is God's church. 
that this is the church that God owns that belongs to God. Uh, early on, the first time that the name church is mentioned in the New Testament, it's in Matthew chapter 16, when he's speaking to his disciples and Jesus says this, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the first teaching about the church that Jesus Christ teaches his disciples is it is not their church. Uh, and that it is not uh, going to be the church of those who come later, but that it is His church. Jesus didn't say to uh, Peter, uh, I will build your church. He didn't say to Peter, you will build your church. He says, I will build my church. And that truth remains here. Even the Apostle Paul, many years later as he's ministering, he is reminding them of the same truth. And Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he reminds all the churches in Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia that this flock belongs to God. Now that's going to greatly help us. Because may we never say, well, although we may say that I belong to this church, the church does not belong to us. This is God's flock, these are God's people, and this is God's church. And so I think that that in increases the significance of the responsibility, does it not? Because Paul is not saying to the elders, well, you, you take care of this church. No, he says you need to take care of God's church. Well, that heightens the responsibility. Because this is not, we're not talking here about uh, the affairs of men, we are talking about the affairs of God. And it's a serious thing. So we learn about God's ownership of the church, but then we uh, note God's regard for the church. He, he says in verse 28, uh, Feed the church of God, and notice what he says, Which he hath purchased with his what? His own blood. By the way, that's why we know, another verse that confirms, that Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus died on the cross. He shed His blood. He gave His life for sinners. And He did so. He, he shed his, own, his blood. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood is no remission. And here what we learn as we talk about the flock of God, the church of God, we learn that Jesus was God because uh, God shed His blood. For the sins of men. Uh, we understand that it was not the blood of, of, uh, of man. It was divine blood. Pure, uh, sinless, untainted, uncorrupted blood. Innocent blood as we see the pattern all throughout the Old Testament. Man was never a sacrifice because what? He was guilty blood. The picture was the animal of an innocent entity. An innocent party was to shed its blood for those who were guilty and understand, oh, the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. Oh, what a wonderful truth, a convicting truth, humbling truth, to think that the God of heaven, the creator of all the earth, became a man without ceasing to be God and shed his own blood for us. Well, that speaks to the preciousness of the church. You see, the church is not some light thing. It is His church and He owns it, but He speaks as to the preciousness of this flock that it ought not to be treated as something that is, that is secondary. Why? Because it is primary to God. And so I think of ourselves and how, how, what is our perspective of the church and 
Let me ask you this question, and certainly this is a convicting question, but what is your perspective of the church? Is the church a light thing to you? Are there uh, things that take precedence over the church? Uh, You have activities that are more important to you in your life uh, than the activities of the church that God gave His own blood for? You see, no doubt, we see God's ownership of the church, but we also see God's deep regard for the church and that He purchased the church with His own blood. Now let me remind you that the church, we're not talking about uh, the four walls and a building. Uh, the word church means a, it literally means a called out assembly. It is a gathering of people. And this, we're talking about the gathering of God's people. And so if this uh, building burns down, I do not wish that it burns out. But I can guarantee you this, we're going to find a place to meet. Why? Because we are the church. We belong to God. God has a regard for the church. But we also find another truth in verse 28, and that is not only God's ownership and God's regard for the church, but we see God's involvement in the church. As he's writing to the elders, it's interesting that no doubt as you go back to Acts 13 and 14, what was the pattern? Well, Paul went, he preached the gospel. Remember what he did? He ordained elders in every church. That's what we find in Acts chapter 14. And so wherever Paul went, his desire, his goal was to plant a New Testament church. Uh, To plant a church where people could be baptized and people could mature in the faith and to give people a place of service and to appoint leadership in each one of those churches. But notice here, Paul, he was involved in uh, ordaining elders in every church. He talks about God's involvement. Notice verse 28. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the, who? The Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And so not only does God own the church, not only does God regard the church as precious, but God is involved in the church. You see his, uh, we uh, turn back to Acts chapter 13. You remember the church of Antioch? We know that to be true. Uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas, when the church was formed in Antioch because of the persecution, uh, Paul and Barnabas were involved for a number of years to teach the believers and to disciple the believers in Antioch. And while they were serving in Acts 13, notice verse 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the who? The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So, is God involved in the church? Yeah, God is involved and God is speaking to men and, and calling men and, and, and moving men to service for Him. We could even go to Ephesians chapter 4. Later in his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul writes to Ephesus and he says that God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The context is to the church, that God has given gifts to the church. And so when we think about the church, we should be reminded that First State Baptist Church, that God owns this church. That God has a great regard for this church and that God is involved in this church. Do not shun the voice of God when God speaks and says, I want you to do this. 
And we have to understand that God is the one who is involved in giving gifts uh, to the church. And so, when we think about our ideas about the church, our perspective of this church, what is that perspective? I find that interesting that as Paul is given the, the instruction, at the same time, he, he helps them with their perspective of the church. You see, the church is no light thing. It is, it is an important thing to God, and we should have the right perspective of the church. Now, by the way, if he owns the church and if he has regard for the church and he is involved in the church, then we need to make sure that if that is our perspective, that we act like that. You see, when we look all around us and we're, we've been spending some time in the book of Acts, why? Because we want to look at first century believers and first century churches. How did they do things in the first century? What, were the, what was their perspective of the church? What was the perspective of how they serve God? And so today, uh, there's the, the opinions of men. And, and there are many people who, uh, who are part of churches, and uh, they have a leadership in that church, and, and they're really doing their own thing. God, God is not involved. Uh, they, they don't look at the church as uh, belonging to God. Why? Because they, they give no regard to His Word. Uh, they're unconcerned with what God says that the church ought to do. And they say, well, we're going to have our own program. We have a better way of doing things. We're going to have our own way of doing church. That's not a church. It may be a business. It may be a community of people. But it's not the church of God. We talked about in our theme last week, Jesus Highly Exalted, that uh, he is to have the preeminence that Jesus is the head of the church. And so if he's the head of the church, the assumption is that somebody is following him. Well, how do we know whether we're following God? Well, he's laid it out in his word. See, the problem is that we have people who identify as a church, churches who identify as a church, but they want to have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with his word. We have a better way to do ministry. We have a better way to grow the church. And you know that by their emphasis. What is the emphasis of the church? Well, it could be on big buildings. It could be on the number. Look at how many people we, we had. Look at uh, we, And they have all kinds of emphasis that are um, completely separate from what we find in the Scriptures. So what should be our perspective of the church? God owns it. God has a significant regard for the church. And He is highly involved in the church. The second thing, question I, I'd like to ask is, what should we understand to be the basic responsibilities of the church leadership? Now, again, Acts 20 is Paul's meeting with the elders. And so we're talking about church leadership in Ephesus, and so here he is speaking directly to them. Now, this is helpful. So the, the perspective here is the perspective of the elders because he's given that instruction to them. But I think it's helpful for all of us, is it not, to understand, all right, what is to be the basic responsibilities of the church leadership? What does that look like? What, what, 
What is the church leadership supposed to give itself to? What does their work look like? What do they do? Uh, sometimes people may ask that question. Uh, you're a pastor. What do you do? You just sit around? Visit people? Uh, like, what, 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 what is it that you do? Are you, you raise funds? I mean, what, what is it that you do? We have it right here. Here's the basic responsibilities. Now, this is simple. And by the way, that's why I love God's Word. It's simple. We don't have to complicate the church. We can just read what the Bible says about the church. And that's what we're going to do. So, a local church, first of all, let me give you the illustration. Because a local church here is compared to a flock. Uh, the idea is you have a shepherd and a flock of sheep. And so, just as a shepherd oversees the sheep, so does the elder take oversight of the local church. So let me give you here the basic responsibilities. The first one in verse 28 is that the flock must be overseen. Notice verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Now who is he talking to? Yourselves. Who is he talking to? The elders of Ephesus. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock. So here's that illustration, that comparison to a flock. Which the Holy Ghost hath made you, what's the next word? Overseers. Now the word overseers here is the same thing, we, the same truth we find in 1 Peter chapter 5. You remember when he says to the elders that are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the what? Oversight thereof. So there's that same word. You read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, He that desireth the office of a bishop desireth a good work. You know what that word bishop means? It means overseer. It's the same exact Greek word. And so here, the elder, in a sense, is a bishop. He is someone who takes the oversight of the church. He is to look to the what? To the flock. Just like a shepherd, he looks over to the flock, and the shepherd has a responsibility to watch over to take the oversight. Now, you could read Psalm 23, and you find what the responsibility of the shepherd is. To protect the sheep, to lead the sheep in green pastures, to bring him by the still waters, and so on. And so, you, you, we understand that the, the basic responsibility is oversight. And so there is a structure to the church. Now, I like what 1 Peter 5 says. He says that, he says, take the oversight thereof. And then he says, not by constraint, but willingly. Uh, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. You're not doing it to, 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 uh, for, uh, for luxuries. Uh, you're not doing it for money. You're, uh, you, you do it of a ready mind. And neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And then he says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory. So it is evident from God's word. This is not just me saying because I'm a pastor here. I'm just saying that God says that there is a crown of glory that's reserved for those who take the oversight of the church. Reward entails responsibility. Responsibilities drives the priorities of the church, of those who are in oversight of the church. So if you think about it, right, what, what does the pastor do? The pastor, just like a shepherd, takes oversight of his flock. A, an elder, a bishop, a pastor takes the oversight of God's people. Oversight. 
Now, with oversight, there are two things that are entailed for that. The, the next thing in verse 28, and he mentions it right in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Here it is, to what? Feed the church of God. Now, we use today the word pastor to refer to... In other words, I, I, nobody has referred to me as, Hey, Bishop. Bishop Sam. Or Elder Sam. We use the word pastor. Now, uh, certainly a part of history is the reason why we refer to a pastor, but those in the Bible could be used interchangeably. Now, I'm not asking anybody to call me a bishop or anything, or Elder Sam. Don't, don't do that. Pastor is just fine. Uh, but the point is, the idea of a pastor comes from the word poimen. And the word feed is the word poimen. You find the word in, Eph in Ephesians when God gave pastors to the church, that's the word poimen. What does it mean? The word pastor literally means to feed. That's what it means. We find the same in 1 Peter chapter 5 when he says to the elders, feed the flock of God. That's the word poimen. What is he saying? Pastor the, the flock of God. Feed them. Now I hope we, we all understand that this is figurative. It is not literal. I am not assigned to uh, come with a spoon and to feed you uh, physical food. That's not my responsibility, but it's to feed you the Word of God. That's why when Paul wrote to Timothy as he pastored the church at Ephesus, he said, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And so uh, when we read Hebrews, when he talks about obeying them that have the rule over you because they watch for your souls, what, obeying what? Why, they just bark orders? At, no, they expound the word. And it is the best thing for you to be obedient to the word that has been expounded. So the basic responsibility is to take the oversight. That entails two things. The first one is feed. And that means to pastor, to shepherd. Now, it's interesting, when Paul, remember when he looks back in his ministry in Ephesus, he says to them uh, in Acts 20, notice verse 20. He says, uh, verse 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with, all, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable, profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice the word. He kept back nothing that was profitable unto them. Now, he talks about what? He testified to them. He taught them. He preached. Notice verse 27. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What is Paul saying? I have been faithful to feed you all those years that I was with you in Ephesus. And now you elders... You better do the same thing. You better feed the flock of God. You better faithfully pastor the people of God. Feed them. Give them what they need. Give them the spiritual nourishment that they need. And so basic responsibility number one is oversee. Uh, with the first thing that that entails is feeding, but the second thing that that entails is the flock must not only be fed, but that the flock must be protected. Notice <clears throat> verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, can I ask you this question here real quick? 
Does that seem like a, it might happen or it will happen? That's what he says. He says, I know this. When I leave, after my departing, shall grievous wolves. Now he's still in the midst of this illustration of what? Sheep, shepherd, and now we're talking about the enemy. Now, the shepherd, right, he takes the oversight. And when he takes the oversight, it involves, first of all, the first response of the shepherd is to feed. Water, green pastures. Those are the basic necessities of the sheep. And shelter. Okay? So the flock is taken care of. That's, the, we could say, the positive of shepherding. But then there's a negative, and that is to protect. Now that means, uh, notice, uh, what does it, we think about grievous wolves? Well, if you're acquainted with uh, the behavior of the shepherd in the Old Testament, uh, David was himself a shepherd. He had to kill a lion and a bear. That's what he said himself. That was his testimony Part of his responsibility was not just to find the green pastures and to bring the uh, sheep by still waters. The reason still waters is you can't bring the sheep to strong currents of a river because they're not too smart. They get into the water and they get carried away. And so it has to be still waters. It'll bring them, protect them, provide for them. Uh, But then David says, but uh, oversight also means that I had to kill a lion and a bear. So the flock has to be protected. And here Paul mentions this. Grieve the wolves shall enter among you. Notice, not sparing the flock. So that means that the flock is going to be... Now, when we think about a wolf... Let me, if, let's, let's think about it here. A wolf, when he says not sparing the flock, what does that entail? Does that entail that the sheep is bitten or that the sheep is devoured? Devoured. In other words, the wolf doesn't kill the sheep just to kill the sheep. He kills the sheep to devour the sheep. He doesn't injure the sheep. He kills the sheep. This is not my analogy. This is what Paul says. And so, I want us to think here because this is an important element that, again, answering the question... What, what are the basic responsibilities of the church leadership? Okay, it's oversight, but that means feeding. And I think we're all aware of that. But another one that we might not be so aware of is protection. My responsibility is not just to faithfully teach and preach the Word of God, but it's to protect you. What does that mean? Well, it means to protect you from... Becoming a casualty. The casualty comes by way of what? Wolves. That's what the Bible says. Wolves. Uh, Jesus talked about wolves in sheep's clothing. He spoke of that. There's uh, not only that uh, the wolves may devour you, but then he says in verse 3, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. So there's two things that can happen to the sheep. And here is why the pastor is taking the oversight of the church, not only to feed, but to protect from doing what? From the sheep being devoured and from the sheep being drawn away. So those are the two potentials for the sheep. The sheep will either become devoured by what? By wolves that come from outside, inside the church. By the way, that's why as a church, we're very, we, we try to be very careful as to who becomes a member of this church. They have to give a clear testimony of salvation. They have to be scripturally baptized. 
They have to, uh, 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 you know, we, I, I uh, do my best to give a doctrinal statement. This is the doctrine of the church. And so before you join the church, you're saying that you agree with the doctrine of this church. And why? We want to be very careful. Why? Because we're aware. I'm aware that there are wolves out there. That they are interesting in devouring the people of God. And part of my responsibility, as unpleasant as it may be, is to protect from sheep being devoured. Look at, for the last five years, it hasn't been long then that the church has been around. And without going into details, I've had a few times, and you may not be, even be aware of it. I've had a few times where I have, I've had to drive wolves away. Now you may not be aware of that. And I don't make it a, a spectacle. I never try to embarrass somebody publicly. But sometimes people are out to destroy God's people. And as a shepherd, I want you to understand, it is my responsibility to make sure that no one gets devoured. The second aspect is not only just for them to be devoured, but also for some to be drawn away. Now, notice here, uh, it seems that the wolves would come from the outside, inside the church to devour the the flock. But then there's some that arise out of the church. That's what he says, verse uh, verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Again, does that seem like a potential or that it will happen? It will happen. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So, the oversight means protection not only of wolves outside the church, but you could say wolves in sheep's clothing within the church who try to draw away disciples after them. Here's a a warning for us. Um, You know, how do we know whether somebody is is drawing somebody after them? Who, Who should, as a shepherd as a pastor, who should I be drawing people after? Christ. Christ. So if somebody comes in and draws people after them, that means that you begin to look at a person, an individual, and you begin to follow that individual, and they can do and say no wrong. They have an influence on you and it's not an influence to draw people after Christ. It's an influence to draw people after themselves. And part of the responsibility of the shepherd is to be aware of that. And to protect the flock, not just from outside wolves, but also from uh, wolves and sheep's clothing that might draw away disciples after them. And so that is the basic responsibilities of the church leadership. Let me, let, me, let me put it this way then. And I, I, I say this because I understand the churches, let's put it this way, in this area. I am not here to entertain you. That's not why I'm here. That's not my calling. I'm here to help you be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm here to help you, to feed you, and to protect you. That's why I'm here. And that, by the way, is a sobering responsibility. 
that I take seriously and that I ask the Lord to help me. So we see what should be our perspective of the church, what should we understand to be the basic responsibilities of church leadership, but there's a, one more thing we find that what are the dangers <clears throat> facing the church of God? Well, I, I really mentioned that, but if you notice the language that he uses, he uses in verse 29, he talks about grievous wolves. Grievous. He doesn't say just wolves, he says grievous wolves. You know what wolves do? They bring grief in the church. They bring grief. They upset people. They are, now we're not talking, I hope we're not talking about in the physical sense. We're not talking about somebody attacking you physically. We're talking about somebody tearing your heart and your mind apart. Attacking you, trying to make you a casualty. Now, and by the way, sometimes it may take a while for a, a, a church leadership to become aware that somebody is out to devour people. Sometimes it may not be aware of it, but when that comes, then the responsibility falls. We have to look at who are the grievous wolves. Who are they that are not sparing the flock? Notice, drawing away disciples after them. He says in, in verse 31, Therefore, watch! Who is he talking to? The elders. Watch. Be attentive. Watch what's going on. Are there sheep that are being injured? Be aware. Know what is going on. Be watchful. He even mentions himself. He says, I, I, I warn you, everyone, night and day, here it is, with tears. With tears. As I mentioned, the two basic dangers of the church is that the sheep might be devoured or that they might be drawn away. And so as we think about the church, I think it's important for us because obviously this is not a private conversation between Paul and the elders. We have it recorded for us. And so this admonition is necessary not only for those who are to be in a leadership position of the church, but it's important for those who are in the church to understand what the church is about and what the responsibilities of the church leadership are. What are those responsibilities? Because then that helps us. I've been in churches and I've seen many times where there's a discord and strifes and then people get all bent out of shape. And sometimes it might be necessary for uh, the pastor to step in and to tell somebody, say, hey, I don't think you should come back until you get that. Sorry, we talk about even church discipline. Well, why is that necessary? Because there are my people that might draw away people. There is something happening to the flock and sometimes we might look at the pastor and say, well, I don't understand why, why the pastor did this. And so it is necessary for us to understand what he is here to do. So two aspects of that, feed and protect. So if the pastor is to feed, then the sheep ought to receive the feeding. And if the pastor is to protect, then the sheep is to understand that protection 
at times is necessary. In Psalm 23, remember, uh, the psalmist says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, there's two things there, the rod and the staff. You think about the rod, that's to, to strike, and then the staff, you think about the shepherd has a hook on the end. And often, um, the, the, the rod was used if a, if a sheep was going in a certain direction. And so the shepherd would use a staff and he would hit the sheep if you want him to go on the left side, he would hit the sheep on the right side so that the sheep, just by that little nudge, would turn and go in the right direction. You're going in the wrong direction. And so the sheep was walking in the direction and he would be nudged on the one side so that he could change his direction and go on the other side. And if the sheep did not listen by those little proddings of the rod, then he would take the staff and he would wrap that hook around the neck and he would turn forcefully the sheep in the right direction. Now, obviously, that's... Uh, uh, the pastor's not going to do that physically. I don't have a rod and a staff. I'm not going to come around and nudge you and then hook your neck and bring you along. Uh, but uh, by God's grace, I hope to do that with the Word of God. And to nudge you in the right direction and at times to hook the staff around and to pull you in the right direction. Now, never forcefully. The Bible says, not as being lords over God's heritage. I can't make anybody do anything. But I can try to show you what God says. To give you the right direction to go in. And so we have to think about this church. This church, I think what we learn here from Paul is this. This church in Ephesus that he's talking to is in danger. And by the way, today in the 21st century, it's still the same thing. This church is in danger. Are you aware of that? It's in danger. Now, we don't like to think about it that way. Like, that, oh, everything's fine, everything's great. No, it's in danger. And the devil is out to destroy this church. Let's not let him. Let's not let him.